0: You want to achieve great things, you want to reach the next level, well so does every other entrepreneur. You know what that means? You have to take every competitive advantage possible. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show where we're going to show you how to create this competitive advantage by being more productive and sharing the secrets of the world's top performers. I'm your host, Kenny Aronson, and I think it's time to get down to business. We all know that things don't always go according to plan. Disaster can strike at any time. Today, I'm joined by a good man named Daryl Stinson. Now, Daryl was a D1 athlete on the track to compete in football at the highest level. However, his dreams were cut short after a career-ending injury. This threw Daryl into a spiral of depression, doubt, and drugs. Daryl fought for years, but he eventually climbed out of this dark pit. He now helps other athletes to do the same exact thing, whether it's after a career-ending injury or after their career is over. Second Chance Athletes. This is a company where he runs, where he helps athletes to do this. As the CEO, Daryl takes athletes through the same steps which took him from suicide to success. I am very excited to bring you my conversation with Daryl. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Daryl. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing, how are you? Hey, you know, I can't complain, You know it's the weekend, it's been a pretty good weekend so far. I've done a couple of these interviews and you know, I can't complain, thank you for joining me on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Awesome, so you know, I'm really excited for our conversation today, I think we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of really interesting topics, but why don't we start a little bit with your story? And I I like to, you know, the, the first thing I try to do with the show is give the audience a chance to get to know you a little better You know, based off of what I said, because I, I, you know, I just scratched the surface. So, Daryl, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your story?
1: Yeah, man. Well, you did a phenomenal job. So, I'm from Jackson, Michigan. Anybody who knows sports knows Tony Dungy, and so Tony Dungy and me are the only famous people from Jackson. (laughs) So, so, um, uh, nobody knows Jackson, Michigan, about an hour and a half west of Detroit. I grew up there in the streets. Uh, You know, football for me was. Uh, you know, the ticket out of the streets, it was the way that I was gonna have success and fame and popularity. Um, so I went to Central Michigan University on a Fulbright scholarship, actually to play basketball and football, not a lot of people know I went for two sports. Um, didn't end up playing basketball because some other reasons. But anyways, um, you know, had some success there. Was part of a, a program that beat Michigan State and, and 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 had Antonio Brown and Dan Lefever on the team and number one draft pick Eric Fisher. Um, and and we were tw- ranked 23rd in the nation as a MAC team and uh, you know uh, won a championship. And then I went from that uh, to um, an injury uh, that that ended my career and should have ended my career I should say and uh, had to have back surgery and emergency back surgery before my left leg went paralyzed and then um, for me uh, I had this golden ticket to focus on my education and, and uh, the injury happened at in my freshman year so I could have just you know spent you know full ride scholarship and come around football when I wanted and focus on my education but for me sports was not what I did it was who I was And so I signed a liability waiver to be able to get on the field and play. And I put my body through two years of drug addiction, manipulating the healthcare system, going to acupuncture one day a week, chiropractic seven days a week, physical therapy seven days a week. Um, you know, taking multiple epidural shots in my back, uh, uh, um, and then I had to pay for all the stuff out of pocket. So I started selling drugs to cover my medical expenses. So my life is spiraling out of control. I'm going from practices to, to drug transactions to the classes. And it's just crazy. And then finally going into my senior year, I was taking so many pain pills that my blood was thinning to the point where every time I made contact in the field, my nose would bleed. And the coaches said, dude, we don't know what you're into, but we, we got to stop before you kill yourself. And so uh, I never got to finish out my, my, really the end of my junior year and my senior year. And that sent me into that deep, dark depression that you, you mentioned. And so I started to make attempts at suicide, uh, mixing pills and alcohol, trying to get in car accidents and uh, different things to take my life. And uh, it landed me in a uh, psychiatric unit where I had just went from 275 pounds to 219 pounds for trying to starve myself to death. And that's where it all changed for me. Um, I, you know, I had a life-changing experience uh, at the psychiatric unit that, that showed me that I had a hope outside of a career as an athlete. And so I knew from what happened there at that psychiatric unit that that uh, there was a purpose for me beyond sports. And so I just, you know, for your audience, I just want everybody to know that you are not what you do. <laughs> you are what you value. And uh, um, you are not, you know, a CEO. You are your, your identity is not defined by your work. Your identity is not defined by your relationships. Your identity is not defined by your past. Um, your identity is defined by by, by by who, what you value and who you want to be. And so um, I, I learned that I had an identity outside of sports and I just started to pursue my passion and help other athletes do the same. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: Damn, Daryl, you've definitely been through a lot. And I totally respect you for making it through that and getting to the point where you are today. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the process that took you from your low point where you were suicidal to where you are today, where you're successful in helping other people to do the same?
1: Yeah. And so I think, you know, I have this process that I call five steps to discover your identity and purpose beyond sports It's designed to help athletes and really anybody who's had their identity tied into something, whether it's a relationship or business, or, you know, a lot of veterans can relate to this model to really fall in love with your current life more than you were in love with your former life. And so it starts with acceptance, you know, so that's the first step. It's I had to get to the place where I was no longer desiring my past more than I was looking forward to my future. And I couldn't accept the fact that sports was over and I had to learn how to get to this place where like, look, I'm okay with with not going back to being an athlete anymore. And, you know, I I wrote about it. And I just finished the draft of my book and I'm working on getting it published. But I, I I said, you know, I just came to this point where I got sick and tired of trying to to go backwards like it just wasn't working man like 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 to try to be who I was as an athlete like I was training and and I was still trying to work out even after the psychiatric experience where I knew that I had purpose beyond that I still you know life seemed boring without it I was used to being an athlete all my life and so I spent all this time trying to retrain my body even though I had a bad back and um and I just kept falling flat on my face and I just realized you know what if I survive suicide then there has to be something more for me than sports. And so um, I got to figure out what that is. And so I stopped trying to pursue it. I came to this place of acceptance. And one of the things I tell people is like, like, take the focus off of you and put it onto others. Because as an athlete, it was all about me, my fame, my success, my fans. And I couldn't see how to get past it and move forward towards a successful future. So thinking about my past and what what I couldn't be as an athlete created regret, but thinking about my future and how I could impact others created excitement and hope and so i started literally i just i made a list on the left column i wrote focus on me success fame autographs hall of famer and on the right i put focus on others and i put inspire others to not commit suicide you know share my story um you know uh, mentor other former athletes mentor youth you know help people who are um come from you know rough upbringings like i did and i was like as i started to take the focus off of me and on and put it onto others i realized oh my gosh i have a future worth living for and so you know that's a that's how you start that's how you get to a place of acceptance i mean there's more tips but that's just something you can do right now if you're struggling with like how do i move forward towards something when i was so used to doing this thing for my entire life well i'll tell you how take the focus off of you and what you want, and how 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 important you want to be, and put the focus on how you can impact others.
0: I love that, Daryl, thank you for sharing. So what's your long-term goal for your business? How many people do you want to help? How many athletes do you want to help?
1: Oh, I want to train 100 million athletes um, on- high-cost. I love that,
0: I love that so much.
1: So so yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen before I die. Um, that's my long-term goal. I want to be the one-stop shop, one-stop, shop destination for athletes after sports. And so it's twofold. It's really a, a, a training people on the five steps, um, having an online university uh, that I want to launch at some point um, and helping people uh, experience that digitally, but also doing training programs locally and at the high school, middle school, pro and uh, college level. But then also there's a benevolent side, uh, which I want to launch a second chance scholarship fund, which I'm planning to do in 2020. Uh, And that's to give athletes a second chance to succeed at life without the demands of sports. And so one of the things that I have the opportunity to do uh, was to work for uh, my alma mater, Central Mission University, which gave me the benefit to have my education paid for. All I had to pay was taxes. And so I actually, as a graduate, went back and retook undergraduate uh, classes because I had a degree, but I didn't have the experience because all my time was spent with sports and I didn't apply myself. I graduated with 3.3, but it was only <laughs> the only reason I had 3.3 is because I knew how to cheat and I got a couple of <laughs> favorites. And so um, I retook it and actually learned what I was supposed to learn from my degree so that I could, you know, uh, know what I was doing uh, when it came to my profession. And so I want to give people that same opportunity by providing former, former forgotten athletes a second chance to succeed at life without the demands of sports by giving them educational scholarships and so that's kind of both sides of the business the training and then the benevolence uh, scholarship fund
0: thank you daryl so how long have you been running second chance athletes for
1: officially since 20 the beginning of 2017 um unofficially since i don't know probably 2013 right so like i've been helping athletes speaking into life of athletes since then i just didn't make an official organization and try to really create a business out of it until 2017.
0: Okay. Awesome. So how's your experience been so far?
1: Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the the moment I saw when I launched, I started to uh, raise some seed money to be able to, you know, start to make some traction and help some of these athletes. And I just started to share my story kind of like I did today, but like longer. And I remember um, getting a direct message from a former track and field athlete that went to the same school and she heard my story and she said, um, you know, I picked up the phone and we were talking and she said, man, when I heard your story, I I literally broke out in tears. She said, she said, I thought I was the only one who was struggling with no longer being an athlete anymore. All of my peers, um, none of them. Are talking about this. They're just going through life like everything's okay. So I thought something was wrong with me. And she said I was at work when I watched your video, and I started crying. And she said, and then my coworker came over to me, and she said, what's wrong? And I started to share share your video and share you know what was going on, and she started crying. And I was like, why are you crying? She was like, my husband is a former athlete, and he has been trying to communicate how he's been struggling. And I'm just like, dude, get over it. Because you had a, you had. You know, your college paid for. You had an experience that a lot of people don't get. Be thankful. Why are you crying? And I have not been listening to him, but hearing you and Daryl's story helps me to know that, man, this is harder than what I might know that it is. And she started crying. And so it was just like, wow, I get it. Like this message needs to get out there to the world. Because the thing about athletes and anybody who's elite at what they do is that they can get very good at, at being externally successful while being internally miserable. And that's the thing, I was talking to a guy the other day, man, Um, this is another like success story in terms of to answer your question of what has been my experience. This is my experience weekly, monthly, I'm hearing stories like this, um, just by blogging and speaking and, and training. Um, I, I was talking to a, a guy who he's a, he's a businessman, but his son plays sports. He's like, hey man, you know your story kind of connects with my son's story. You know he didn't get suicidal or anything, but you know he he had some ch- struggles uh, transitioning. And I said, how how's he doing now? He's like, man, he's doing great. He's got a great job. Da 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 da. He went on talking about how successful he was being. And I said, have you asked him how is he feeling now that he's not playing sports anymore? Have you asked him about it? He said, no, I haven't. I said you've you've got to you can't assume because and everybody would look at me and say oh man he's working you know he's he's got a good internship he's doing good he was successful they won a MAC championship they were ranked twenty third like nobody's thinking that I want to take my life nobody's thinking I'm suicidal nobody knows I'm addicted to drugs because externally I appear to be successful and I'm charismatic and so man um, I've just seen a lot of athletes come out of the dark and be like I'm struggling I got drug addiction my marriage is in shambles like like. All because I don't know what to do with myself now that I'm done playing sports.
0: Now, Daryl, let me ask you, what's the most kind of impactful story that you've heard as you've been doing this?
1: Man, I, I don't know. That one I told you was pretty impactful. The fact that two people cried at work.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I got to say, I was thinking that might be the answer. I just wanted to make sure no
1: no 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 there's more um man almost every time i speak and i share my story because i'm six five and this big former football player people look at me and you know they say oh he's he's charismatic and he's successful and and man i, I can't and then they hear me talk about suicide and how i almost want to take my life and there's a point where i was at a mental state they labeled me clinically depressed and i tried to take my life and i, I was in a psychiatric unit like. Whoa! And so what it does is I think it, it's, it, it it evens the playing field and gives them the freedom to come out about their struggles with depression and suicide. And so, man, I so many stories of people coming up to me after I share or speak or train saying, you know, hey, you know, I, I had a, a, a high schooler uh, at a school here locally, uh, North Gwinnett High School, uh, come up to me after I got done speaking. And she said, uh, I've, I've been cutting myself for the past few weeks. And when you, man, I'm getting right to Up, She said, when I heard your story, it gave me hope that I don't need to do this anymore. And I, I was talking to her and just encouraging her, giving her some words of, of, of positivity and her parents came over and they said, we had no clue our daughter was depressed. she she, she's a, a leader of a student organization she gets good grades she's externally successful but she's inwardly miserable and she hates herself and her parents broke down so man like that's impactful if i can convince somebody to live and not die that's worth me waking up that morning.
0: Damn, Daryl, I I gotta say that is that is very powerful, and I, and I love that you're doing this. I like I'm giving you all the respect in the world because before speaking to you today, I didn't realize that you know this was such a huge problem with athletes, and you know I, I can't say that you know I can't you know I couldn't imagine it before because I've never been like a star athlete or anything. Like I like one of my biggest regrets throughout. You know, life in high school is that I didn't do more sports. Like, if I had, could go back in time, I would, I would do a lot more, but you know, that's impossible. So, it's not worth dwelling on it. But, you know, let, let's take a specific scenario, Daryl. So, mm-hmm. let's say we have an, an athlete and they're, they're in dark times. So, they might feel suicidal or depressed because maybe their career is over, whether it's through an injury or just time. Their time in school is over. What specific advice or words would you give to these people right now?
1: Come out of the dark share, literally share with somebody, pick up the phone, send a text message, let somebody know what's happening with your emotions and in your head. The thing is we like to bottle everything up. I don't care who you are, athlete, non-athlete, when you're struggling, we all need each other. And, and the thing with people who are, you know, they say more so males, but it's females too, man. Nobody wants, you know, every, when you're going through depression, one of the hugest like lies going through your mind is that you're the only one feeling down. And it's not true. Everybody feels down. And so I would say, come out of isolation, come out of darkness, send a text, pick up a phone, call somebody, let somebody know, like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm like, like, even if it's not like death, death, like you're having death thoughts, like even if it's just like, you're discouraged, like just say, man, I'm, I'm man, today's stunk, you know, like, like, like I hate it. So that would be advice tip number one. And, and if I would share one more, it would be this, it would be, um, Share with somebody number one, number two, focus on your future. a lot of people who struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts is all about either a their past and and all that they've been through or b like like it's this hopelessness about the future right like it's like I had this thing happen to me, and now now my future is going to be my past like like now now like. There's no hope for me. So for me, it was like, there's nothing for me to do with my life outside of sports. Like I'm worthless. Like I, I figured since sports was done, that I meant my life was over. And so it's like that for a lot of people, when they think about their future, they think like, there's nothing out there for me. It's, it's not worth it. All I'm experiencing right now is pain. But if you dig deep and you start focusing on the possibilities of your future, like, like how, how can what you're going through, even now, how can your challenges help somebody else through their challenge. Like if you just came out and said like, look, I'm struggling. I, I wanted to, I wanted to like, like put a gun in my head this week. I wanted to hang myself this week. I wanted to write a suicidal letter to somebody this week, all because of the relationship that left me all because of, you know, something that happened to me. I was molested when I was a child. Like, even if you just talked about your pain, you would already start impacting lives. And so let's not take our life over something that over a future that we don't even know what it's going to look like yet. Like, like dream big about your future is how I would say that. Because, man, I, if, you, if you would have asked me, you know, when I was in that suicidal state of mind, you know, like, like, what do you see yourself doing in five, 10 years? I would have told you nothing. I had no desire to even look that far. And so I didn't know that I would be helping other people Stop cutting themselves i didn 't know that I would be helping other people you know reconcile their marriage or 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 go after their dreams i didn 't know that I would be doing it, and if I knew that, that would have gave me reason to live and so I want to tell anybody if you 're struggling with that depression that heaviness that that just feeling bad about yourself, let me tell you something man. you have no clue who you can impact in your future. you have no clue what you 're going through now, how it can be a source of encouragement for others five years from now, 10 years from now, two minutes from now. So don't you dare quit, lift up your head
0: and fight. Thank you, Daryl. I I love that so much. You know, I think that so many people are going to love this message and it's getting, you know, I can see how you inspire people because, you know, the words that you speak, you know, you, I can really tell that they come from your heart. And so let's talk about another, another person. What would you say to current athletes? Would you tell them the same thing to these people who are kind of at the high the height of their life right now? Or so it feels that way at the time?
1: Yeah. So th- this is the thing. And I and I t- tell, you know, I was trying to tell uh, some of my peers this because they're like, man, you know, schools don't want to hear, you know, people talk about life after sports. They just want to hear about winning. And I'm like, so listen, like that's part of your life after sports. And so here's what I would tell a current athlete. Hey, listen, man, man, train as hard as you can train. Do the best you can do. Like. Like, dream as big as you want to dream. Like, get all that you can from this sports experience. Go as far as you can go. Because one of the things that made the depression so severe after I was done was that I had this, this pain of regret that I never reached my peak as an athlete because I had an injury. So the guy, and I wrote this in my book, I said the guy who was 275 pounds ran a 4.6740, never even made first-team all-conference, I was the 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 should have been could have been guy. And and that was extremely painful for me. Another one of my um you know my peers um was struggling because they didn't make they didn't get an opportunity to play in the NFL. And you know, I was I was like, "Man, like that I remember being in workouts freshman year, sophomore year, and watching them skip reps, watching them, like, like, like not touch the line. And now they're depressed because they know that if they would have just gave it everything that they had while they were playing, that maybe they could still be playing now. And so if I was saying the current athlete, I'm saying, like, like part of preparation for your life after sports is giving everything you got to, to what's in front of you right now. Like, don't skip reps. Don't, you know, don't, don't. Don't uh, cut yourself short from the line. Don't skip um, film study sessions. Don't skip extra workouts. Like, give it everything you got. That way, when you transition out of it, you can at least have the peace knowing that, like, okay, it's over. But I gave it everything I had.
0: Make Thank it sense? Thank Daryl. I love that. So, you know, I, I focus a lot on entrepreneurship and things like that. And I think the same lessons apply to them because you might have big dreams or goals right now, but you don't want to like go into the future and say that, you know, you didn't reach that goal of that dream because you didn't give everything that you got. So, you know, that, that kind of, you know, just came to to clarity in my mind and, you know, it's something that I'm realizing right now. So why don't you, you tell us a little bit more about your, the five steps that you use that you took from, from yourself, from suicide to successful.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. I'll, I'll get into uh, the second step, which is believe, but let me just say something to what you said real quick um, about the whole entrepreneur thing. Cause you know, I I was uh, starting my own marketing consulting company. Um, I had a rental property um, and then I also, you know, now have an entrepreneurship endeavor, which is second chance athletes. And so I got, I got a lot I got a lot of experience. And so I just want to say like this, this one thing, cause you said something that was so key. Um, and it was about like, like giving everything you've got and how that relates to entrepreneurs. And so I just got to say this to the entrepreneurs out there, and it applies to anybody because it's a principle. It's this, like, like, you have to have the proper perspective when you're trying to build a startup. What I mean by that is this, and this is the example I give people when I speak. So I said, I worked, um, when I was in college, I worked for uh, an organization, the Alumni Association, where we had to call Alumni, people who just graduated, like they start you out at the bottom, you got to call recent graduates and ask them to donate to the university that they're in debt. <laughs> and so like, that's a hard sell. Like, hey, I know you're in debt and you don't know me, but when you donate money to the university, and they're like, no, you guys charge me too much for tuition. Hang up, click, click, click. I was the number one fundraiser at that call center. Here's the key, you ready? Yeah. I had a 10% success rate. That means out of a hundred people that I called, only 10 people donated.
0: I think that's pretty good for cold calling. Exactly. But when people
1: start their business, they don't think that that's good. So they're like, oh man, it's not, I don't have any clients. I'm like, how many, how many calls did you make? Well, you know, I send an email out to my friends and, you know, I talked to a couple of, you know, business owners that I know. So you made like 40 phone calls? Like, yeah. Yeah okay, go make 60 more. You see what I'm saying? And we quit too easily. It's like, man, if you would have just made 20 more calls, if you would have just like passed out 15 more business cards, you might've got a contract or, or a client that would help, you know, you continue to make an impact with your business. And so it's just like, you have to put it into perspective. And I, so I say this, I'll say like, like, are you being 10% successful? Because you might be the number one entrepreneur off of a 10% success rate. So um, there's that. Anyways, Back to your question, man. So the second step is to believe. And this is, this is you know, step one is you got to accept that that your past is over. Stop trying to recreate it. And, and, and then the second step is now you got to believe, right? So there was this period where I was like, okay, like, I get it. Like, I can't go back and be an athlete. I'm just injured. But I didn't think that there was a life that was more fulfilling for me in my future. So it was just like I was kind of like – Man, I guess I just gotta accept life for what it is. You know, I'm just gonna work this nine to five and climb this corporate ladder and, you know, but I would trade in a moment, in a heartbeat to go be an athlete again. And I had to get to this place to where I believe that there was a life more fulfilling than sports out there for me in my future, okay? Because if you don't believe it, you won't go after it. And so, and so here's, what, here's what I tell people. Sometimes you have to believe in somebody else's belief in you before you can believe in yourself. Because oftentimes we're so familiar with ourselves. It's like, you, you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. Sometimes it took for a person um, who was a, a mentor of mine to say, hey, hey man, you're a leader. You're, I see you speaking and changing lives. And I'm like, me? No, I'm an athlete. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a speaker. I'm not I'm not a leader. Like by any means, I'm just an athlete. I just know how to run and jump and hit people. <laughs> like I don't I'm not I'm not a leader. Like like I don't even like to talk in front of people. Like it doesn't sound like it now, but if I showed you a video from my first speech, you would laugh at me because it was horrible and I didn't make any sense at all. But somebody saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and that gave me a belief in myself. And so. So, 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 so my second step in my process is you, you got to believe that there's a future that's better for you. And if, if you don't believe it yourself, ask the people around you, because sometimes they'll see in you what you struggle to see in yourself.
0: Thank you, Daryl. Do you want to go through the rest of the steps or do you want to leave it as a surprise for people to find out on your website or something?
1: No, I'm not holding anything back. We can do whatever you want to do, man. I'm not the guy that's like, Hey, here's two steps. And if you want the other three, pay me (laughs) $9 in a minute, you know? So I'm not that guy. Um, I do train people because it's one thing to know it. It's another to walk through it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm
1: giving you like a tip, you know, I I wrote a book on this. So it's like a lot when it comes to that, you know, that's just something you can take right now and maybe start to make, um, you know, some forward progress in your life. But, you know, the next step is, is, is to discover, the fourth step is to pursue it, and the five step is to persist. And so, I mean, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about man. Um So once you accept um, that, that your past is your past, and now you start to believe in a better future, now you've got to figure out what is it? What were you created to do? Like, what's your purpose? What's your why? And man, like, I, I, there's so many things, like I have a series of almost like 20 questions that we can ask to probe it out of you. But here's what I would say to people who are elite, because you got to remember I'm dealing with people who were at the top of their game and now they're kind of restarting their lives. And so um, one of the challenges I tell them is don't dismiss things because you're not elite at it yet. A lot of times there's things that are part of our future and our purpose, but, but we think, no, I'm not good at that. For me, it was speaking. It was like when when that guy told me that like I could be a a speaker and, and impact lives. I was like, I suck at this. Like, there's no way I hate getting up in front of people. My throat gets tight. I forget what I'm going to say. Like, I don't know, know what to do. Like I was the guy that, you know, when you do icebreakers and you go around, it's like, tell us your favorite, your favorite animal. What animal are you? I would, I would be like trying to write out what I was going to say. And my throat would get tight and I would get sweaty and, and I would just suck. And I would just mumble. So nobody could really hear me. And then they just move to the next person. And now listen to me.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did you get over that out. problem? I'm curious.
1: Oh my gosh, dude, like
0: tell me about I, it. I want to hear. I'm curious. I got to know.
1: Um well, the first thing is I stopped thinking about myself. Um I so there was a time where um I was asked to uh pastor a satellite campus and I was forced to basically I didn't like speak every week, but I had to like follow up on the lead pastor who was an amazing communicator. And it sucked because it's one thing to be a bad speaker. It's another to be a bad speaker after a great speaker. <laughs> and so i reached out to a guy um, who, if anybody knows the church space, they probably know Stephen Ferdick. And he was a campus uh, pastor at Stephen Furtick. So he followed up Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick is an amazing communicator, right? And this guy, uh, his name is Pastor Jonathan Josephs. He, had to follow him and so i reached out to him and i said man how do you how do you follow that like how do you deal with your own insecurities because like like nobody's better than him right he's got all these clever cliches and stuff and so i'm like like how do you do it he said you know what man i just try to focus on being helpful rather than being impressive and i was like whoa that is not what i'm doing i'm trying to be impressive I want people to clap. I want people to say, wow. I want people to say that's amazing. And it's making it so hard for me because my attention is on the wrong thing. It's on me. And you can never truly add value to people when all you really want is to get from people. Get affirmation, get approval, get applause instead of give hope, give encouragement. And so it started when I had that paradigm shift in my mind. I'm not standing in front of people to, to, to have fans like, like, like sports. Like I'm not like, there's not going to be a cheering section in the back. Like Daryl (laughs) (laughs) I'm standing up here to add value to you. And if I can say something that's helpful, it eliminates this fear or this need to be impressive. So that was like a big paradigm shift for me. And then the second thing was like, I was just forced. Like, like there there was a time where like the, the pastor had left and I had to like speak every single week. Like there was not a choice. I had to show up. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, and the better you get at it, like the better you feel about doing it. And so it's just getting out there and practicing and putting in the reps and, and doing it over and mastering your craft. And, and, and the better you get at it. I I say this with increased competence comes increased confidence.
0: I like that. I agree. So uh, I want to talk about something that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier. So I know we've been talking about, you know, a couple of different things, but I just want to go back to this really quickly because, you know, before I I lose my train of thought, how do we discover our our true purpose in life, what we're meant to do, something that will drive us and motivate us forward?
1: Yeah. You got to ask yourself, what would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? I like Uh, that. You got to, uh, a lot of times we don't we don't think about our purpose because we're so afraid of failing um I, I always say this is what would you do with your life if 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 you could create the rules of life uh you know i was talking to a high school student about that um probably i don't know this was this past semester um and he wanted to like um i forget he wanted to do something like crazy that that never as far as i know hasn't been done i can't remember exactly what it was but he he, he it was part of his purpose, man. And, and he was like, no, you know, I can't do that. I'm just going to be an accountant. I was like, why would you be an accountant? Why don't you just do that? And he's like, well, you know, you know, there's, there's not really a job, you know, you can't really, can't really make a living out of that. I was like, no, don't chase profit, chase passion and profit will chase you. And so I I say, what would you do with your life if you couldn't fail? What would you do if you could set the rules of life? And then um, one of the things that helped me, man, and again, I have like 20 plus questions to ask to really dig deep into yourself. Um, I'll give you two more like kind of exercises that I do with people. Um, One is I say, uh, what, what, if you could create the perfect world, what would it look like? Okay. Okay. A simple question, right? What would it look like? What would, How would the interactions be? How would the government look? How would, you know, people interact with each other? You know, what would the market look like? Like whatever, just like be as descriptive as possible. When people do this, it's funny, they start out, they're like, what is this going to do? Here's what happens every time. You do this with a group of people. You do, and you do this with a group of a million people. You're going to have a million different perfect worlds. Like everybody doesn't want the same thing. And I often say that part of your purpose is to create the world that you envision. Okay, and so for me, I'll tell you how I found my purpose. I did that exercise that I just told you about. So when I started to describe the perfect world that I wanted to create, I started to say things like, you know, I, I want, um, um, I don't want there to be any lag, and, and 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 I want people to have, you know, be trained on entrepreneurship, and I want everybody to know their purpose. And I just went on and on and on. Okay, and then I did the second thing that I'm getting ready to tell you. I asked myself, what is the common denominator? behind all of this. What am I trying to accomplish by creating this world? And I found it. What I was trying to do was I was, everything that I was trying to do was to get people to to get out of lack and tap into abundance. And I was like, that's it. That's my purpose. I am created. My purpose is to help people unlock abundance in their life. Because I believe that that when the world was created, there was enough peace, enough love, enough money, enough resources to go around. So nobody should live in lack. And so my whole life's purpose, whether I do that through writing or speaking or second chance athletes or whatever I do, everything I do is out of the overarching theme of helping people unlock abundance. That's what i want to do right now everybody that's listening if you're struggling you feel like your business isn't scaling or you're struggling you feel like your marriage isn't gonna work out i want to let you know that there's a, enough love enough money to, to be successful in both arenas i want you to unlock abundance and so you have to ask yourself like what's the common denominator and in, in these things that i'm passionate about in this what am i really after in this world that i want to create in this perfect world pay attention to the stuff that you pay attention to Oh, that's so good, man. I want to write that down. (laughs) Pay attention to the stuff. Here's what I mean by that, okay? I I met a girl who uh, was like all a student when it came to chemistry. She wrote like a paper, got like nationally recognized. Um, She says that when she walks into a room, she doesn't see like like how we see drywall and brick. She says she sees molecules because she knows what the stuff is made out of. And I'm like, that is so, first of all, that's weird and creepy. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, like, like, like we all do that in our own way. Like w- we pay attention to what you pay attention to because there's a reason why you're drawn to it. There's a like, like for me as a person who's passionate about marketing, like I notice marketing, like, like copy everywhere. Like if I walk outside, all I see is marketing copy. If I look at your car, I see marketing, but somebody might go out. Like if it was a, a, a a maintenance guy or a car man or repairman, he would see something different. He would see tools. He would see mechanics. And so i say pay attention to the stuff you pay attention to. If you walk into a room, uh, if you walk into a restaurant and and you don't like the leadership, you're probably called to be a leader. You see what I'm saying? So you notice the stuff that bothers you is often an indicator of the stuff that you're called to.
0: Thank you, Daryl. So there's two things that I want to touch on really quickly. So you, you notice, you know, noticing marketing copy everywhere and, that's something i can relate to because over the past year i've done a lot of copywriting for my business and a couple of other businesses as well and as i started to do this as i started to do a, like way too much writing in the past year i've started to notice the copywriting everywhere so i can i can totally relate to that and it's it's really yeah. interesting you know everyone's different in their in their own world every, every single person like all 7 billion people in the world they all have their own little universe and i think it's interesting to think about and so the the other thing i wanted to touch on is abundance. So what would you say is the most important key to unlocking abundance in your life?
1: It's a mindset. The most important thing is to find a way to retrain your mind. And so whether you meditate or whether you write out a statement on a wall that's the opposite of what is what you believe now, um, you, you have to renew your, your mind and train yourself to stop limiting what's possible and limiting what's out there just because you don't have it right now, <laughs> and so whether that's oh I've got a limit so choose what you have a limited mindset about right. Um, let's say love right. It's like man I'll never I'll never be able to love my wife like I like I like I truly want to. And it's like okay what's the opposite of that? You know what my my marriage is thriving. It's it's purposeful. It's passionate. I have enough love for her and my children and enough love to go around. And you and you and you read that over and over again and you visualize yourself loving at another level. And you visualize yourself loving like not just for what somebody can do to you but even when they're hurting you. You you, you see yourself still loving and serving. And all of a sudden what you what you see in your mind becomes your reality. And so that would be my 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 key to unlocking abundance.
0: I really like that. You know, I found that, you know, it it is in the mindset because if you don't think about abundance, if you don't notice it, then it's kind of not going to be there because, you know, as we just said, every single person has their own universe. And it's something that's really interesting to think about again. And, you know, abundance is, I think, the key to attracting what you want in life and going for your goals and, you know, building the life you really want to live. And I think it's a very powerful thing to, to practice. So I want to do a little bit of a segue back to what we were talking about earlier, which is your your experience with your business, and your experience as a CEO. Mm -hmm. So would you say that, you know, as you've been doing this for a couple of years with second-chance athletes, would Mm -hmm. you say that the experience has been more of a challenge than you expected it to be or less of a challenge?
1: More. It's always going to be more. I heard John Maxwell once said, like, to all leaders, he said, however much money, strength, power, influence, time you think something's going to take, double it. (laughs) <laughs> and so like I had, you know, I knew there was going to be challenges. I read the books, I bought the CDs, I, I taught the material, but when it comes to building your own vision and, and changing your own life, it's always harder than what we, what we think we're getting into. That's one of the reasons why we kind of avoid it in the first place is like, oh, we don't want to go through it. Like, I don't want to work out. I don't want to lose this weight. Like, I don't want to wait a year to have my business turns a profit but you just have to, and that's why one of my steps, my, my, my fifth step is persistence. Like you have to have persistence in order to achieve your dreams. And so, um, yeah, man, um, uh, <laughs> it's a lot harder <laughs> than, than what I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. I found the same thing as well. When I first started my, my first business about a year ago, I was expecting like kind of an instant success, but you know, as in every case, that's, that's pretty much not what happens, but you know, you got to be patient. And I, I love what you said about persistence because it's totally true. So, so Daryl, what do you think has been the most helpful thing that you've learned so far in, in your experience with entrepreneurship that has really helped you?
1: Wow, that's a loaded question. It's a
0: big question. <laughs> if you had to pick one thing, what's the first thing that pops into your mind?
1: Um... The word mastery is the first thing that comes to mind. I could probably give you at least 20 things, but mastery. And you have to become a master at your craft. I don't know if you watch Shark Tank or you know, uh, what's the name, Damon John, is that the guy's name? Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah. So that's one of the things he says he looks for in an entrepreneur. He wants to look for somebody who is a master at the ground. I actually heard him speak in person. There's a guy who was super bold. He gave him his resume and, and he was like, Hey, will you hire me? And he, he read it in front of the whole audience. It was a lot like thousands of people. And he, and he went through and he said, Oh, you did this, you did this. He said, and the guy said, yeah, I'm a jack of all trades. And he instantly responded or a master of none. That's so so true. So I would say like, like when, for me my my number one tip because when I started I was just like I didn't know what I was doing and I just want to learn everything and I just want to be good at all of it and it's just like like pick the like top two or three skills that you only you can do and that you know you need to master and master it like stop getting like distracted and stop doing like for like this book that I just finished the draft of this year I was supposed to write that book in 2012 but I was going through different things and getting distracted because I wanted to try to, you know, be good at everything. Instead of just saying like, look, when it comes to writing the core content of my business, I'm the only one that can do that. So I need to master that craft. And if I would have did that, like year one, like, (laughs) it'd be a whole different conversation right now, you know? So yeah. Mastery.
0: Okay. Awesome. And let's talk about, you know, your overall life. What would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned in life so far? Um, value
1: relationships and value your life, uh, value time. It's a gift. You know, I think that, uh, we all think we have more time than we have and it just couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I have teammates who I played with, uh, you know, Zerlon tipped and played in the NFL played for the Indianapolis Colts and, you know, uh, you know, had his license to carry a gun, uh, mishandled it by putting it in the car, shot himself and he's dead. And it's just like, you, And he had, he had a daughter and, and, you know, now she's going to grow up without a father in her life, at least her her natural father. And it's just like, like, like value your life. You never know when you're going to lose people. Like uh, I help people uh, get out of addiction and recovery and, and the success rate, you know, isn't super high in terms of like, it's not like over 75% of people who go through recovery, you know, make it through, Um, you know, some of them, end up back in jail or prison, addicted, homeless, or, you know, they overdose. And so I just would say in life, I've learned to value time. And when you value time, you argue less, <laughs> you know, you're less petty because you realize like, hey man, this this disagreement isn't worth not loving you over. And so uh, value your life and value the, your relationships and value the gift that you got this morning when you woke up.
0: Thank you for sharing, Daryl. I really love that. I, I certainly agree because once you put it into perspective that everyone on the planet has limited time, you know, there, there's limited people. You, you never know what's going to happen. So I found that, you know, expressing gratitude every day has been very helpful for me, you know, helpful in staying motivated and just appreciating everything. You know, what are your thoughts on gratitude?
1: Oh, gratitude determines your altitude. And you can never go higher than what you're thankful for. And if you do, it's going to be lonely. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, man, gratitude is everything. You've got to – and here's the thing. People think that it's like you have to do it intentionally. You have to be intentional about being grateful. Like some people I know that are highly successful, they just put it in their daily routine. And, and like, I'm going to intentionally journal about things that I'm grateful for. And it's amazing how when you're intentional about it, you know it's like, i got a lot to be thankful for. And so, man, gratitude is everything.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And, you know, you you mentioned daily routines. Do you have any daily routines that you practice, Daryl? Absolutely. I'm a routine guy. So I don't care if you read Miracle
1: Morning or Michael Hyatt or, you know, whatever. Uh, We are creatures of power of habits. Another one, like we are creatures of habits. You have habits and everybody has a routine, even if they don't know it. So if you have routines, I'd say, you know, at least write it down, figure out what your routine is, and then find out what habits you need to do to be successful. So for me, you know, I meditate, I reflect, I pray every single day, I find things to be grateful for. I try to journal every single day, um, and um, I haven't got to the physical fitness side of things yet, but that's my goal for 2019, is to to get into top physical shape, so uh, yes, um, I would say your habits should be the things that's going to set your days up for success. So for me, I cannot start a day if it's not planned, or at least have like a, a sense of what I'm going to do for that day because I am super people-oriented. And if I don't have a plan for the things that I need to accomplish that day, not a to-do list, <laughs> the things that are going to move me towards my goals, right? I don't want to do busy work. I want to be productive. And so if I don't have that, those priorities that are going to move me towards my goal, what's going to happen is I'm going to default, to my natural gifts, which is pe- working with people. So I'm just going to be talking to people all day. I'm going to have a ton of great conversations and I'm not going to get anything done. <laughs> so, And so, yeah, yeah, I got tons of uh, r- routines and habits.
0: Okay, great. I think that, you know, one of the things that I want to do is, you know, develop some new habits because I found something interesting that a lot of people, you know, entrepreneurs included, and, and I guess pretty much everyone. They they thrive on momentum. So momentum for your habits, momentum for your business. So you know, working every single day on you know what motivates you, what you really want to do, what your purpose is in life, and you know, a part of that is your habits. And the, you know, the habits they make your future. You know, they make your life what what it's going to be. So you got you got to make new habits. What what would you say is the one most beneficial habit that you've practiced?
1: Oh, absolutely, my prayer life, <laughs> my my connection to God because of my faith. Um, everything. Is, is birthed out of that core. And without it, I wouldn't even, I don't even know where, I, I'd probably be dead. You know, like I, I just would have fall off the Richter again because the, the, the source of strength, encouragement, perspective, direction that I get from that central place in my life, like nothing can replace it. No amount of books that I read, no amount of advice that I get from people would can replace what the creator of the universe says to me. So that would be my number one habit.
0: Okay, thank you. And while we're on the topic, well, when I was speaking to you and, you know, when you're in your darkest place, when you were suicidal, what was the one event that kind of shifted your mind? What was the miraculous event that caused this huge change in your life?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I can tell you it has to do with my faith. So do you want me to share that? Yes, sir. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Okay. So absolutely. Here's what happened. So um, at the time, um, my mother is the one who uh, basically escorted me into the psychiatric unit because i tried to get in her car and, and start to make my way to, to driving. And she hopped on top of the car and convinced me to let her drive me to the psychiatric unit, at Henry Ford hospital in Detroit, Michigan. And so uh, we get there. And at the point I had been crying for so long that my eyes were swollen shut. Like I could only open them up just a little bit. And I'm in the psychiatric unit um, and they're taking me through the admission process. And they're saying, you know, why did you want to kill yourself? And they're trying to like figure out what's going on. And I'm just screaming the entire time, leave me alone. I just want to die. And the doctor left the room and he went to go get some people who were going to help escort me to the upstairs part. Um, And a a nurse walks in. I call her the woman with green pants because all I could see is um, a slit outside of uh, the bottom of my eyes. I couldn't even see her face. And she walks in and she says, I don't know who you are and I don't have jurisdiction to be back here in this part of the hospital, but God told me that you need to say yes to him. And at the time when I had grew up in church, but like, I didn't believe in, in Jesus. I didn't believe in organized religion. I believed in God, but not Jesus, because I had a pastor who sexually molested a young girl in the church. I had another pastor who hustled me for money. And then I had another pastor who went to prison for gaming houses. And so I just thought like Christianity was this, this scheme to get money and that um i just only reason why i even knew of christianity is because i lived in america and if i would have lived in another part of the country I just, or another part of the world i would just believe in what they believe in so if i was in china i'd be a buddhist if i was in you know um, india i'd be uh, practicing who, uh, hinduism and so that was my belief system and so when this lady says this and she's trying to like have me consider jesus and said jesus sent her back there to say uh to tell me to say yes to him i'm like no leave me alone i just want to die i don't want any of that stuff i don't believe in that stuff get away from me i don't know who you are um, and so she prayed for me for about 15 minutes and she left. Um, uh, a short while later, my grandmother came in the room. She had driven from an hour and a half away or where my hometown was. And she burst through the doors and she said, honey, I've been praying for you all the way here. God told me that you know exactly what to do. You need to say yes to him. Oh, wow. So it was the same request a second time. And I couldn't deny that it was supernatural, but my heart was so hard. I had so many doubts. I had, where did the Bible come from? It was written by man. Like all this stuff I had researched Like I was like, no, but it was clear that this was really happening and you can't make this up. And my grandmother prayed for me for about five minutes or so. And I just kept saying, leave me alone. And then finally, like she just backed away and, the depression in the room was so thick, like you could feel the weight of how sad and depressed the room was. And I just heard this still small voice whisper to me and say, son, will you say yes to me? And it was something about hearing his gentle voice speak. Like when I say hear it, I mean, it was like an impression I felt in my heart and it gave me the strength to say yes. And when that happened, I muttered out, a. Yes, Lord. And when I said it, the depression that I had been under for years immediately left the room. My eyes that were swollen shut instantly got healed and I could open them again. And it felt so good. I didn't know what else to do. I just started screaming. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that was the moment that I realized that my identity was not tied up in who I was and not tied up in how famous I would be as an athlete, but it was tied up in a Jesus who came and found me in a psychiatric unit, even though I was a drug dealer and didn't want anything to do with him. And so I just began this journey of, of digging in deep into who he is and studying every religion and just confirming that he was the only one true God. And so that was the supernatural experience that changed my life.
0: Well, Daryl, that that's certainly amazing. I hope that can inspire a lot of people out there. And and I also just looked at the clock, and I realized we've already been talking for almost an hour. And I don't want to, you know, take up too much of your time today because I know you have, like, you're a busy guy. You got a lot of things going on. So I I like to close out my show with, you know, just one specific question, just to make sure that the audience is left with something that they can take with them. And I'm sure they'll take away more than one thing, of course. But Daryl, if you could only leave the audience with one piece of actionable advice what would it be?
1: It would be for me because of what I believe it would be, do you know where you're going to spend eternity and are you sure about it? Um, Or is your belief based upon something you've heard or seen on TV, but never even studied yourself? You owe it to yourself to find out who your creator is and make sure that you're secure and where you'll spend eternity. So uh, that, that would be my number one belief because of what I believe in.
0: Okay, thank you for sharing. So, Daryl, it, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. You know, I've been inspired to go out there and try all these different things. And, you know, I, I've gained a whole new perspective about life and athletes and all these different things, you know, faith, religion, everything that's out there. So Daryl, if the audience wants to know more about what you're up to with your businesses and your mission, where could they do so at?
1: Yeah. You, you can visit my website, secondchanceathletes.com. chance um, If you want like a free coaching session, I do those uh, email me at Daryl D a R R Y L L at second Everything's spelled out. Um, and uh, shoot me an email. Just say like, Hey, let's chat. And uh, we'll hop on the phone and, and, you know, I'll try to just help you move the needle in your business, in your life, in your marriage, um, you know, completely free just because I I, I want people to experience abundance. So um, visit my website, uh, you know, um, or shoot me an email. Okay,
0: thank you for sharing, Daryl. So to the listeners out there, I'll make sure to put the link to secondchanceathletes.com and then daryl's email below so if you're interested in getting a free coaching session or just learning more about life abundance and overcoming the problems in your life then make sure you check out his website or make sure that you send him a message so daryl once again i want to thank you for joining me on the da vinci mindset podcast today i really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today thank you
1: thank you you have a good one keep it up man
0: Thank you. So to everyone out there, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm inspired. I hope you guys are inspired. I learned a ton. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the show. Please consider subscribing. And until next time, we will catch you on the next episode of the Da Vinci Mindset Podcast.